Welcome to Riverstone Church. Good to be with you all again, family, on this very special Baptism Sunday. I know there's many visitors as well. Welcome to you, too. This is our church family, and this is what we do. We celebrate. We, sit, we come together week in and week out, and throughout the weekend, we celebrate together the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, and, and we rejoice as we gather in fellowship and worship week in and week out. So uh, welcome. I'm Austin Delgado, the lead pastor of Riverstone. That was Pastor Jeremy, the pastor of Youth and Family here. And, uh, and we're delighted that you're here with us to celebrate uh, and hear, taste and see firsthand what God has been doing among us. What a joy it is, huh? to see how many young ones have been transformed by the power of the gospel among us. Family, this is what it's all about. This is, we are witnessing today the fruits of our labors and firsthand evidence of the grace of God at work among us. This is what it's all about. Glory to God in the highest, peace and joy to his people on earth. Amen? Amen. Raising up generations to live in the love and truth of God has always been at the heart of what God calls us to together. Before Jesus ascended into heaven, after he was resurrected from the dead, he left his church with a great commission. Explicitly stated in the Gospel of Matthew at the end of his Gospel, among Jesus' final words to his followers, he said, Go now, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and behold, I am with you always even to the end of the age. Now go. And family, today we celebrate the fruits of our labors in making disciples together. Together. Yes, we saw family discipleship, but we have to understand that this is our shared mission together. This is our shared calling from God. Every one of us has a vital role in making disciples and raising up generations of worshipers of God. Making disciples, baptizing, and teaching to observe all that Jesus commanded us. And you know, this has actually been a part of, of, of a vital aspect of the mission of God's people all throughout the history of God's people, making generations of worshipers of God through teaching all that God has commanded us. In the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, we find an earlier commission for God's people, which illustrates how God's people go about making disciples through teaching all that God has commanded. This commission is called commonly referred to as the Great Shema. It's been recited by Orthodox Jews for thousands of years and still is recited by Orthodox Jews twice daily. 
It's called the Shema because this is the Hebrew word for hear or listen. It's a call for the people of God to listen, what we're about to read. But what we have to understand with this word and this call is it's not to just merely hear these words, this call. It's to listen and obey. Hear the call and respond to the call. That's the great Shema, found in Deuteronomy 6. You'll see it up on the screen. It starts, the prophet Moses declares, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might. The opening line of this call for Israel, God's people in the Old Testament, contains one of the most important truths for God's people and also serves as the primary motive in fulfilling this call, in responding to this call. The Lord is our God, and the Lord is one. He is utterly unique, set apart from all creation because he is creator and sustainer of all things, set apart from all other so-called gods of the world and philosophies of the world. He is the one true God. He is one God, unique in his godness, is what we see here. And he is our God. That's what's so special here. He is the one true God, and he is our God. He has covenanted himself to us. We are secure in him. We are his. He is ours. We didn't deserve this special relationship, this special gift. Rather, he is the one who has set his special love upon us. How humbling. It is by sheer grace that we have this special relationship with God. And therefore, this call contains one of, if not the most, fundamental truth for God's people. He is the one true God and he is our God. Therefore... Verse 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might. The glorious grace of God must be embraced by loving devotion to God. And therefore, it's a mandate. It's the only true, full response to receiving the glorious grace of God. Devotion to God. What we see here is that true spiritual life, true spirituality arises from the heart deep within and extends to all of life. 
In view of who God is and his loving kindness toward us, we receive his love and then respond in love with our whole heart. The Shema states, which in Hebrew, the heart consists of all of our emotions, our mind, our will, that which drives us, with our whole soul, which includes our whole selves, both spirit and body, material and immaterial being, our whole selves, and with our might. This is a unique, very special Hebrew word that literally means muchness. We respond to God in love with much muchness. In other words, we love God with our whole selves and everything we have. All that we are, all that we have, all that we possess is devoted to God. That's the full response in love to receiving God's love. This is the greatest commandment because everything we do flows out of our love for God, which is, of course, first received. Our love for God is both the motive and the mandate of our mission. Our love it's both the motive and the mandate for our mission. And this love should influence and impact and shape every area of our, of our lives. It is a love, a very, very special kind of love that, should, that is authenticated by our lives, by who we are, how we live. Let's read on the next four verses, six through nine. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So this is what a love for God looks like, demonstrated in our lives. Moses says, these words should be on our hearts. In other words, we should be so immersed in God's word that it drives the control center of our being. His word keeps us walking in discernment and obedience to him, knowing that he guides us according to that which is good and true. He is for us. His word keeps us walking in obedience to him. And not only do we keep his word on our hearts, we are to teach his word diligently 
Scripture says, to our children and our children's children, diligently. We are to talk about the love of God, the truths of God, the commands of God, regularly with our children. Finding ways throughout our day to connect these vital aspects of our faith. Love, truth, his word, his commands. Finding ways all throughout our day to connect these vital aspects to everyday life for our children. When we're sitting, when we're walking along, inactive, active, are we thinking diligently about what we're reading, watching, listening to in our homes? It's a big question because we all know the reality is we're always teaching something in our homes. Or when we walk along the way, what are we showing our children? What are we talking about as we walk along the way, the daily paths of our lives? How are we guiding them in making sense of the world around us? The beauties of creation. Making sense of the fallenness of mankind. Making sense of the only hope for redemption in God's redeeming love in Jesus Christ. Making sense of the only hope we have of restoration and eternity in Jesus. Now, this applies to whether we have children or not. Whether we have children or not, do we talk about God naturally with others whom we encounter on our daily paths? Naturally, we're just walking along the way of our days, talking about Him, talking about God along the ways of our days is a mark of our love for Him. We tend to talk about that which we love, the things that we love. We discovered on Friday with a couple from the church who came over, it's very clear and the pattern is consistent. If you have dinner or a meal at our place, we're going to spend 75% of the time talking about food. That's just a given. That's what's going to happen in our house. We love food. And hopefully that 25% is about spiritual things of God. <laughs> Look how natural the flow of life and discipleship is here in this passage. It's really important for us. When we lie down and rise up, the pattern of all of our lives Night and day. This simply means rhythmic patterns and habits of discipleship in being diligent to raise our children up well in the love and truths of God. These words communicate intentionality, 
and simplicity. What works for you in your household, among your family? What type of rhythm with word, talk, pray, word, talk, pray, sing, word, talk, pray, what might that look like in your life? But being intentional, daily rhythmic patterns of discipleship is the means through which we raise up life-transforming, life-transformed disciples of Christ. Bind God's word to your hands and head, he says. Not literally, which actually many orthodox types of Jews do this. Jesus spoke of this in the New Testament. Tying boxes, they're called phylacteries, uh, with scrolls in them. You go to Israel, you're going to see this all over. You'll see this all over the place, maybe in other places like Brooklyn, too, on Saturdays or so. Not literally, but figuratively, like write these words on your heart. What he's saying is make every effort, make every effort to keep God's word before us, on us, in us, our heads, hearts, Hands, all that we think, feel, do, should be shaped by God's word. And in so doing, we will prosper in all our ways. It's a promise of God. The fruit will never dry up. Our leaves will never dry up. The fruit will, we will bear fruit in season and out of season. These are, these are God's word. These are his promises that he tells us. If you listen and respond to this call, notice something here. As we talk about the, the regularity and the normativity of, of, of these patterns for discipleship here, there's, there's no schooling options in this passage. Right? Schooling options are very important for our child's development, our children's development. Very important. But regardless of, of, of what you opt for, what path you choose for your child's schooling options, what we see, what's made very clear here in this passage and what's consistent all throughout Scripture is that the primary responsibility of raising up our children in the love and truths of God is us. It's us. It starts in our households, in our private households, and it flows out to our household here at the church, our family together. Every one of us has the primary responsibility of raising up our children and our generations in the love and truths of God. And Moses concludes here, we should write his word on our doorposts and gates of our community. In other words, let it be made known. Let it be made known that God is the one true God and that he is our God, that we belong to him. Show and share the goodness of God and the grace of God 
in your communities, in your workplaces, in your schools, those whom you're in regular contact with. Show and share that he is God and you are his. Demonstrate that the steadfast love of God endures forever toward those who love him. Amen? In this great Shema, Moses shows us what disciple-making looks like on a daily basis. He makes clear the mandates of our mission to love God with an all-encompassing love that is demonstrated in keeping his word, teaching his word, and declaring his word. Now, in chapter 30, at the end of this book, the end of Deuteronomy, the end of the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, Moses commissions Joshua before his death saying, now go, take these people into the promised land, be sure to keep all these commands, be strong and courageous, and behold, God will always be with you. But I got some bad news. Moses goes on to say, you're all going to fail miserably at this. That's the end. That's what they hear at the end before they go on. Yeah, it's true. You're not going to be able to do this on your own, is what he's saying. He says, you're just too selfish. You're far too stubborn. It's not going to happen. But there's good news. Because earlier in the book, he says in Deuteronomy 18, there will come a prophet like me in the days ahead. Listen to him. He will speak all the commands of God to you. And in Deuteronomy 30, verse 6, he says, There will come a day that the Lord your God will circumcise your heart so that you can love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and that you may live. God confirms this a bit later through his prophet Ezekiel saying, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you to cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to observe my ordinances and you will live in the land that I gave to your forefathers. So you will be my people and I will be your God. And family, this is the new covenant that Jesus says was purchased in his blood. The life in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the new covenant and great salvation of God was accomplished 
by the Son of God and is applied through the Holy Spirit of God for all who believe and receive him. Now, by faith in Jesus, we too can be rescued from our sin and condemnation, eternal separation from God. We can be reconciled to God in everlasting loving union and redeemed from having selfish, stubborn hearts to having selfless hearts demonstrating true godly love, the godly love of Deuteronomy 6. Jesus said in his earthly ministry, as recorded three places in three gospels, this is the greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might, Deuteronomy 6. And the second is like it, to love one another as I have loved you, to love your neighbors as I have loved you. He who loves me will do what I command. And when I leave, he says, my Father will send the promised Holy Spirit to come upon you and empower you to love and live as witnesses of the gospel. Those are among his final words before he sends into heaven. Family, it is the love of God in Christ Jesus that compels us by his spirit in us to go now into all the earth, starting in our homes, to our communities, and to the ends of the earth preaching the gospel, showing and sharing the love of Christ, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, and teaching to obey all that Jesus commands us. We can do this now, family. He is with us. We can do this and are doing this in truly transformative ways. All authority on heaven and earth is his. Jesus is Lord God. And he is ours. He is with us. You know, a room this size, I am certain that there are some, maybe many, who do not know truly of the fullness of God's redeeming love, hope, redemption, transformation, and everlasting life that we have in him that do not know of this unshakable security to be found. In Christ Jesus. Maybe you haven't yet come to Jesus by faith, believing in Him and receiving all that He is and has done for us. The Bible tells us very clearly in the New Testament anyone who comes to Him, He will not turn away. And if you believe in your heart, that Jesus died and was resurrected from the dead, 
on our behalf to purchase the redemption of God and salvation of God for us. If you believe that in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is indeed Lord God, you will be saved. He is yours. You are his. And he will put his spirit within you, remove your heart of stone, and you will be a new creation in him. That's what he says. All who have ears to hear this word today, let today be the day of your salvation. Let today be the day of your salvation. Would you come to him? Come to him. That's what's so glorious about the gospel, the good news. That's why it's good news. It's free. You don't have to do anything. It's been done on the cross. We've heard it time and time again in the testimonies. This is comprehensible for the youngest of us. We come to him believing in him and receiving him and you will have everlasting security in him. Amen? I'll pray for you in just a moment when we close out and I would also invite you to come talk to me afterward. If this is something that has been stirring in your heart, maybe you are unclear with what this looks like in your life, what next steps are in coming to Christ, or maybe you've just come to Christ, do you want to talk about next steps? I'll be right up here. Come, talk to me, and come to Christ Jesus in prayer, believing, receiving, and clinging to who he is and all that he's done for us. Family, today we celebrate the fruits of our labors as we witness firsthand generations declaring the marvelous works of God in their lives. Amen? Amen. We celebrate the diligence of our parents. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Keep up the good work, faithful children of God, servants and parents. No matter how old we are, we're still children, right? The Bible also makes that clear. Today, we celebrate the diligence of our staff. Pastor Jeremy, Janet, Aaron, Cheryl, all those behind the scenes who pour themselves out in loving service to discipling our parents, families, children. Hallelujah. Thank you. We love you. Thank you for your faithfulness to our church body. Today, we celebrate you all, every one of you, in your faithful ministry to this body and the grace of God at work among us all. Amen. We can't let that one hang. <laughs> Hallelujah. God is with us. He is moving and working through us. Thank you, family. Keep up the good work. Let's move on, continuing to support one another in making disciples in our homes, in our church, in our communities around us. Whether you have children or not, you have a vital role in this family. The Bible makes very clear the church is a family. It's, an, it's a cosmic, eternal family. Our bonds are stronger and truer than even our physical family, believe it or not, in Christ Jesus. Because they will last forever. And therefore, every single one of you has a vital 
an eternally, an infinitely vital role in our family right here. The Lord has blessed us with over 200 children and youth at this church. That's a special blessing for Riverstone. That is a tremendous blessing for Riverstone Church. We want to receive that, embrace that, and respond to that with all we have in the love of God, in love for God and for our children and our generations, raising them up. Many of you serve our children faithfully in teaching and nurturing our children here, whether they're yours or not. Praise God for you. Thank you for your faithful ministry it has infinite reward. Thank you. For those who are interested in investing in our youth and children, we have many opportunities. Many opportunities. You can see online, you can come to a staff to, to discuss what might be a good place for you to serve in response to God's love for you. Next week, for an example, March 5th at 12.30, we have uh, the first VBS informational uh, meeting to gather everyone in preparation for this week-long powerful ministry of this church. You heard it come out in testimonies. My life was transformed at VBS. We hear that all throughout our church year in and year. We just heard it this morning. Come on in. Be part of this great work. Come on out. 1230. Lunch will be provided next Sunday. You can sign up online. Family, this is our calling together. In response to God's love, we commit ourselves to raising up generations of worshipers of God to the glory of God. Amen. That our joy would be made complete in Him. Hallelujah. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let's close out in prayer. Lord Jesus, you are so good. You are so good. We would be restless wanderers in this world if you did not see us with a special eye and set your special covenantal love upon us, calling us out of darkness and bringing us into your marvelous light. Lord, hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. We don't deserve this. Lord, help us to see all those around us in the same way that we once were. We didn't know you. We didn't know of the hope and security and redemption and transformation that is available of you. And you came to us. Lord, so help us today to receive that love, that everlasting, secure love of yours, to receive it with full open arms and hearts and respond with hearts full of joy and faithfulness. Guide us in knowing how and where we can serve your body in raising up generations of disciples, in, in, in serving you in the world around us, being salt and light, showing and sharing the love and hope of the gospel around us. Lead us, Lord. And for those here in this house today that heard your word, that, that the hope of the gospel landed on them. We pray that you would awaken faith today, Lord Jesus. Hear our prayers. We pray for more and more love and praise and worship to abound today. Would you enlighten the eyes of their hearts to see and believe in you and receive all that you've done for us today? We pray for them. 
Lord, lead us forward in unity with one voice, one work, in one spirit, that we would glorify your name and our joy would be made complete in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Lord bless you all. Have a great week.